This is alternative history. Darn it! This is alternative. <laughs> oh my god! This is alternative history. So what'd you do this weekend, Rod? Messed around and got a triple double. So you playing basketball against children again? I was beating up people online in the video game. Please. I'm please. Ruthless. You weren't swearing while you were doing it, were you? No, I'm trying to always be kid-friendly now. That's right. That's right, because we don't swear no mores. Well, we do swear, but just not on, yeah. on the mic. Yes, yes. Only in, like, the fit of rage at, like, you know, 3 in the morning when my kid wakes up. Or joy. I'd be, I'd be swearing in joy. Yeah, that too, yeah. Like, when we watch... A basketball game today that goes our way, for example. Exactly, I, I definitely cursed, but you're yes. not going to hear that anymore. We're really trying to we're trying to clean our act up a little bit. Well, speaking of basketball, uh, we're going to be talking about basketball today on the Alternative History Podcast, which is what you're listening to right now. I am Rodrigo. This is Brian here at the Alternative History Podcast. We provide a topic. We talk about if it should have an alternative history, if it should have a different. Uh, result if it different if it, a different perception perception result uh, anything that should deviate from what really happened and as Brian alluded to today we'll be talking about some basketball we'll talk about the 1973-74 Milwaukee Bucks yes last week we talked about on the road Jack Kerouac's seminal uh, road novel yes it was pretty good like I said I like the book like it was a it was a actually I think it was a fantastic book I hope you guys read it yeah yeah I mean I I kind of. I may have came off a slightly crestfallen because it, the, my perception of it changed from 18 to 38, but it's still a worthy novel to read. It may not be your cup of tea, but it is worth reading just to see what was going on in that era. I thought we did a pretty good job with our book report. I hope you guys enjoyed it, and I hope you guys read the book. Without further ado, let's talk about 1974. 1974, so... What we like to do here is we like to just kind of give you a feel of the year that we're in, if we're in a specific year. This year we are in 1974. So let's start out with the movies. The movies that came out in 1974 were Blazing Saddles, Towering Inferno, and The Trial of Billy Jack. Those were the top three highest growing films of 74. Some of the other notable releases, Young Frankenstein. Great movie. The it's Longest Yard. And Benji. These three were top 10 grocers as well. Ones that weren't top 10, Chinatown came out this year, Flash Gordon came out, The Godfather Part 2, Great Gatsby, Lenny, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The Godfather Part 2, by the way, is nominated for 11 Academy Awards. It wins Best Picture, Best Director, Best Supporting Actor, Best Adapted Screenplay, and Best Original Dramatic Score. We all know Pretty I don't really like the all Oscars. The good ones. Yeah, we've established that we're, we've kind of soured on them over the years but the godfather part two is my favorite movie of all time i think it, it is, is better than the dark knight movie. and it's better than casablanca yeah. like yeah. I, I think it was a wonderful film uh, another movie that i that you forgot pally was death wish uh. <laughs> the original not the not the crappy remake damn i forgot about death wish so like one of our favorite episodes of all time in the simpsons he goes they go to they're looking for Bronson, Bronson, Missouri, and Bronson, they stop Missouri. in Bronson, Missouri, and the people they meet. Everyone there is Charles Bronson. And the greatest line in the show is, Hey Ma, how about some cookies? No dice. This ain't 
over. This is a mother and father that look exactly <laughs> like mother and Charles. Mother and child. Mother and child that look exactly like Charles Bronson. <laughs> <laughs> now that we went off on that tangent, let's continue with 1974. All right. So TV, some of the top shows in 1974 were All in the Family, The Waltons, Sanford and Son. I used to love Sanford and Son, mainly because they worked at a junkyard in the movie, and I loved my junkyard. Dad. My dad used to take me to junkyards, <clears throat> and we would like sift through them looking for random things. I brought home a uh, golf club carrier. I had no idea what it was, but I was like, I need this. That was one of my father's favorite shows. We definitely yeah. watched that in the house. Uh, MASH was on, Hawaii Five O, Happy Days, based out of Milwaukee. MASH, or... MASH is the only is the first television show that I actually watched from beginning to end because they used to show it in syndication in no. Milwaukee at ten thirty and eleven. So I and they showed it pretty much in order. So like I spent a summer watching. This is back in the day when shows were twenty six seasons. None of this like twenty six episodes a season. None of this thirteen episode stuff. This was yeah. marathon watching television show, and I loved. Breaking a, Aldo. breaking a sweat. Yep, exactly. Just like when you had that triple-double. <laughs> yeah, I see how it is. Six Million Dollar Man was uh, was also on the airwaves. What else we got here? Good Times, the Bob Newhart Show, and Kung Fu. The legend. Well, that was before the legend continued. Exactly, yeah. but you got it right. <laughs> yeah. uh, music, we got The Way We Were by Barbara Streisand, Seasons in the Sun by Terry Jacks, Love's Theme by Love Unlimited Orchestra, and Come and Get Your Love by Redbone. Oh, and then uh, Dancing Machine by the Jackson 5. It's a great song. Rounding it out. Yeah, exactly. Album, notable albums that were released. Uh, Diamond Dogs by David Bowie. 461 Ocean Boulevard by Eric, Eric Clapton. Clapton. That's a good album. And On the Beach by uh, our favorite Neil Young. Yep. Sports in 1974. In the NFL, the Dolphins defeat the Vikings 24-7 to in Super Bowl VIII. FIFA awards Colombia the 1986 World Cup. In 1982, Colombian officials decide they cannot afford to host the host the tournament. Also, West Germany defeats Holland two to one in the World Cup final in West Germany. And Major League Baseball, the Oakland Athletics beat the Dodgers four to one in a seven-game series. Uh, that year, Henry Aaron ties, breaks Babe Ruth's home run record. Uh, in in the NCAA basketball. North Carolina State defeats Marquette. In the NBA, the Celtics defeat the Bucks 4-3 to in a classic seven-game series. Which we'll get into a little bit uh, further down the line here. So, top news. The top story of 1974 was Richard Nixon resigning. Yep. And then after that, Ford parted Nixon. All the President's Men by Bob Woodward and Bernstein. Or uh, Leonard, not, what, not Leonard Bernstein. I forget the guy's first name. Leonard Bernstein's the singer. Well, Woodward and Bernstein published all the President's Men chronicling the basically the Watergate scandal. And some interesting stuff here. Dr. Henry Heimlich fir- first publishes his findings on the Heimlich Maneuver. So the Heimlich Maneuver became a thing in 1974. And, you know, thank God it did because I got a son named Benson who can basically credit living because of the Heimlich Maneuver. Several, couple times, my wife saved his life. I thought the Heimlich Maneuver had been around forever. I never would have guessed it just was like five years before I was born. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah. that's, that's incredible to me. And uh, Jaws by Peter Benchley was published in 1974. Interesting. That's a great book. I actually read that. My mom used to take uh, English courses at the Shorewood High School where we lived when I was growing up. And I hated being in the class. We didn't have a babysitter, so she let me go to the library. So I just read Jaws 
in their library at like three hour <laughs> blocks, like every like Tuesday and Thursday. I used to go to the library because they had air conditioning, <laughs> and I, I I read uh, James and the Giant Peach one summer like over and over, okay. just because it was it was cool. Air conditioning, and, yeah. yeah, exactly. And it was across the street from McDonald's, which helped too. <laughs> so, all right, so let's get into a little bit of the history of the Milwaukee Bucks. Well, the thing that we forgot to do, as always, or not as always, but as we do occasionally, the thesis this week is that the 1973-74 Milwaukee Bucks should have won the finals. Yeah, as you mentioned, they did lose. In in reality, they lost to the Boston Celtics. But what we're, what we're going to do here today is we're going to go over the series. Go, we're going to start with a little bit of history of the Bucks. go over the season and then that, that final series and see if we can come up with a different result for the Bucks. Yes, exactly. So the Milwaukee Bucks, the NBA awarded the franchise to Milwaukee, to a group of Milwaukee investors on January 22nd, 1968. The name Bucks was chosen through a contest with the general public. Some of the finalists were Robins, Skunks, Beavers. Skunks? Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. Who Ponies the, oh and Hornets. So the name Hornets has been, kick, been kicked around the block a while before it ended up landed in well, and ultimately wanna, Charlotte. It's an acceptable it NBA name as around. far as I'm concerned, but the, the Skunks? Skunks? Seriously? Well, I, the Beavers just seems... I don't, I don't, I don't, a different I don't, time, yeah. my friend, a different time. <laughs> so ultimately, the Bucks were chosen out of over 14,000 participant suggestions. It was officially announced as the name of the Bucks on May 22nd, 1968. The Robins was actually the most popular choice, but for for reasons that more fit the city, they chose the Bucks and actually the state. I mean, deer. we're deer we hunting so and much. such. Well, we have, we have. I don't know what other parts of the country have, but we have like signs that tell you there's deer crossings on our freeway. So you have to be careful for that because yeah, they can wreck cars. And well, yeah, and I mean, I don't know why they would let them cross there. But <laughs> there's a lady <laughs> actually a that called the radio show saying that. <laughs> She was all upset. She's like, "Why would they let them cross there? It's so dangerous." It's like, "No, lady, it's outrageous. they don't. They don't think that way. Exactly. Like they don't. They have no concept of traffic until it's actually hit them. Then they. Then it becomes a little too real." All right. So, with the name Robin, and I, I mean, they said they picked the Bucks because it more fit this the the, the Wisconsin, mm-hmm. but also Batman was on TV at the time, and Robin is a sidekick. Mm-hmm. We so sidekick. you kind of, I mean, the name, to me, it, that would, if back then sense. I'd been like, I like we that. Don't, we're not a sidekick, we're a top front, well, we would be a top franchise soon. But, so, I don't know if that was a reason or not, but that would that's what I would have thought. But, anyhow. Um, at the time that the franchise was awarded to the city, there were no major sports teams in the city. The, uh, the Braves had left the city in 1965. It was kind of a contentious splitting with the city. And the Brewers, the Milwaukee Brewers, as we know them today, did not arrive in the city until 1970. So in 1968, there were no teams. We got the Bucks. So 68-69, they were the, that was their first season here. I think they won so, like 20-something games. Yeah, they were 27-55. and 55. So from 68 to 70, through the 69-70 season, they were the only major sports team in the city. So like we said, we got the the Brewers in 70, but they did play a season in Seattle, Seattle. prior okay. to well cuz they were awarded as a expansion team to Seattle and they played the 69 season, they went bankrupt. Uh I learned this all from the Seelick experience at Miller Park if you're wondering by the way. <laughs> so they they went bankrupt 
in the first season in Seattle, and then uh, Bud Selig, who was trying working diligently to get a team into back to Milwaukee, was able to convince the Seattle Pilots to move to wow. Milwaukee. I didn't know Called that. them the Milwaukee Brewers uh, after a minor league team that he followed when he was a kid, and the rest is history. We're going to talk about the Bucks. I don't want to harp too long, but how does the franchise go bankrupt in their first season? Well, oh, I, I don't know. I mean, ask Seattle. Wow. They, Seattle's well, Seattle's lost. Sonics and Sonics the, and, 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 and the and the team yeah. that would become the Brewers, but so yeah, they started like we said they started play in the sixty eight sixty nine season. Oh, an interesting thing I wanted to bring up. So Milwaukee did have an NBA team prior to this. They were the Milwaukee Hawks. Played in the NBA from nineteen fifty one to fifty five. Like you mentioned earlier, or off Mike uh, Bob Pettit was on a couple of those teams. Teams. We, I don't think the, the national media or a lot of people know who Bob media, Bob media, who Bob Pettit is. Like, I think we know him because here in Milwaukee they built a ice skating center named after him, and mm-hmm. this ice skating center is like an Olympic training facility. But like, I'm just the basketball like kind yeah, of. We know basketball, like so, I, so like Bob Pettit, but that guy exactly was a Milwaukee legend in the '50s, and we still kind of know about. Sometimes him. on my break from work, I'll just go on like NBA like reference.com or whatever that website is and just look up basketball stats. And, and I believe that, like I said, I believe Pettit was not able to win a championship here with the Bucks when he was a superstar. No, I yeah. think that they ended up winning a championship. They did in, in St. Louis, I think in like 58. When he was not as super, almost superstar, but he had, he was, he had been in the butt with the, with the Bucks with Milwaukee for so long. Like that's, yeah. he's like, that's what I'm thinking, a legend here. Yeah. And then that team actually ended up in Atlanta of all places. So by 1968, they had, both Milwaukee's former basketball team and, and Milwaukee's baseball former team. baseball team. So, yeah, so Atlanta was biting on us hard. So, after the 68 69 you know season. I think I hate Atlanta now. <laughs> sorry, all our Atlanta <laughs> listeners. Actually, our, our, I'm sorry, not all our Atlanta listener, if we even have one. Yes. <laughs> so, I don't know if we've made it that far south yet. So, after the 68 69 season, we were terrible. As Charles Barkley is want to say, uh, twenty-seven fifty-five. We ended up getting the first the first pick in the draft, which turned out to be at the time Luel Cinder, better known as Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He ended up being a revelation to the team. Took us immediately into contention from the first season that he played. They went when he from when he was drafted. They won four out of uh, they went to four out of five Western Conference Finals, and I think they didn't lose. I think they won fifty six games, or they won fifty six games at least for those five years. Yeah, yeah, they were they were like almost un- dominant, unstoppable, and got a ring. They got they won the championship yeah. in seventy seventy one. Yeah, yep. When, yeah, when uh, when uh, Oscar Robinson came over. Fun fact, possible topic for a future show down the line. In nineteen seventy two, the Bucks drafted. Julius Irving, better known as Dr. J, number twelve overall. He opted. To, he opted. Yeah, he opted to play in the ABA. Could you imagine? Like, so I think that alone. I mean, we're going to talk about Kareem later, but I. I mean, I. I can't imagine Kareem. We would have won like five championships in a row. And yeah, we, I think that winning would have convinced folks to stay. Right? Perhaps. Maybe yeah. I'm wrong on that. But you, yeah. why would you want to leave? We can talk about that in yeah. our conclusion more. So the 70-71 season, they went 66-16. and 16. Cream was the MVP of the league, and they won the championship over the Washington Bullets. Swept them 4-0. Won conference championships in 1971 and 74. 
division championships, 1971 through 74, 1976, 1980 through 1986, and in 2001. They lost conference championships in the 80s to the Celtics in 1984 and 86, and to the Sixers in 1983. All three three went on to win the the championship. So that's how close they were in the 80s. Like they They were really good. They were beaten by the best. Yep. The last conference finals was in 2006, 2001, and we lost again to the Sixers, who they didn't win the championship that year, as we know. Um, they lost in a controversial Game 7 that the – I mean, there there were some rumblings that the fix was in with through the NBA. I don't – I mean, that's all unconfirmed, but there was a lot of disgruntledness after the, that loss. This might be a topic in the future as well. Yes, yes. And the last finals appearance was the 1974 season, which cues it to you, Rod. That was a long time ago. Yep. So the 73-74 NBA championship pitted the Milwaukee Bucks versus the Boston Celtics in a classic seven-game series. The Milwaukee Bucks finished with a 59-23 and record and finished first in the Midwest Division. The Boston Celtics finished with a record of 56-26 and 26 and finished first in the Atlantic Division. As Brian said, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar won his third MVP in five seasons. In the playoffs, the Boston Celtics played the Buffalo Braves, now the LA Clippers, who were led by league-leading scorer Bob McAdoo. He led the league with a 30.6 point a game average. In their series, Game 1, it was Buffalo Braves' first playoff game, and it was the Boston Celtics' 222nd playoff game. (laughs) The Celtics beat them in six. They then faced the New York Knicks in the Eastern Conference Finals. This was a rematch from the previous year's Conference Finals, where the Knicks had beaten the Celtics in seven games. This year, the Celtics beat the Knicks in five games. In the playoffs, the Milwaukee Bucks played the Chicago Bulls in the first round and dispatched them in five games, and then swept the Lakers in four in the Western Conference Final. As Brian said, this was the Milwaukee Bucks. Milwaukee Bucks actually had one championship uh, at this point, and the Boston Celtics at this point had 11 championships, their last coming in 1969. So on Sunday, April 28, 1974, in Milwaukee at the Milwaukee Arena, the Celtics take Game 1 95-83. to John Havlicek led the Celtics with 26 points, and Abdul-Jabbar led the Bucks with 35. Game 2 was on Sunday, April 30th, 1974. The Bucks even the series with an overtime victory, 105-96. The Celtics come back from a 14-point halftime deficit. Jojo White led the Celtics with 25 points. Kareem paced the Bucks with 36. In Game 3, in Boston at the Garden on May 3rd, Dave Collins scores 30 points and leads the Boston Celtics to a 95-83 victory. Kareem paced the Bucks with 26 points. Game 4 also took place in Boston. This was on May 5th. The Bucks even the series at two games apiece, winning 97-89. Kareem had 34, Havlicek had 33. Game 5, May 7, back in Milwaukee. The Milwaukee Bucks cannot hold on to home court advantage. The Celtics take it. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar scored 37. Havlicek and Collins both scored 28 points in that game. Game 6, back in Boston. This is at the Garden on May 10th. Yeah, so this is the... Well, it, it was a pivotal game in the series, but it, it is, it's also one of the best NBA games ever played. It's a classic. Yeah. Exactly. I, I, like, if... I know, I know I'm reading, but 
most of the games up to this point have been close. Like, they, they, they were all close. I'm sorry, have been blowouts. This is the actual only close game in the series. Yes. I mean, there was that one overtime game, but... The Bucks ended up blowing them up at the end. Yeah, taking running. over in overtime. Exactly. The Bucks led by 12 at half, and the Celtics chipped away. Uh, Havlicek ties the game with just over 60 seconds to go. Neither team can win in, can win in regulation. Nothing really happens in the first overtime, and it ends in a tie, forcing a second overtime. The second overtime is explosive. As both offenses are able to assert themselves, the lead changes 11 times in the second extra frame. At the very end, Havlicek hits a baseline rainbow jump shot over Kareem Abdul-Jabbar with 7 seconds left for a 101-100 lead. Larry Costello, coach of the Bucks, calls a timeout and draws up a play that the Bucks players now famously aren't really clear where they're supposed to be. Yeah, so like, a lot of them, a lot of them, said, and I don't know if it was just adrenaline or everyone kind of knew that it was either Oscar going Kareem. to Oscar or Kareem, but yeah, they, they said that he was just so, he was like frenetic and he was drawing up and, and they were like, uh, McLaughlin was like, I don't even, like, was I in the play? Like, am I, like, I don't understand what he just did. They have, I think it was, it was, they have one guy in the same place twice. Like, they, okay. he draws him, he, like, that's what he does. Like, uh, Kareem, Junior Bridgman knew the ball wasn't coming to him, so he just went to the far side of the court <laughs> and put his hands on his waist. Because, like you said, he knew it was going to go to either Kramer or Oscar. And think, nobody knows what the play is supposed yeah, to be. I know Dandridge said that, A, he didn't want the ball, and, B, he didn't want to bring his defender over to Kareem. So he just kind of – he also moved as far away from Kareem as he possibly could, knowing that – I mean – Yep, he's he's the franchise. You know he's gonna. It's like most likely either him or Oscar. Let me say. Yeah. So the in, the inbounds play is broken, and the ball ends up in Abdul Jabbar's hand as he's positioned in the middle right block. He takes the ball out of the block and deep out to the right. Kareem lost a sky hook from 15 feet out. It was good. Swoosh win. All time great. Instant classic. Might be the best playoff game of all time. Yeah. Is what they say. And. Kareem's sky hook is 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 essentially undefendable, and it's an iconic shot. And this is, I mean, he's he's been doing it his whole career, but this is an NBA Finals where yeah. like it's a it's an iconic and it, shot. It, it's such a like a graceful like shot too. And it, it's like it, it, yeah. it's it's almost like poetry watching the way he moves and what the way the ball moves, and then when when it goes, it just kind of you know exclamation point. Game 7, back in the Milwaukee Arena on yep. May 12th. So, going into Game 7, you, you got to be feeling good. Like, the Bucks got to be feeling good. And, and it's all indications sounded like they felt good that they were going back home to play. But I think deep down inside, they knew they were tired. They knew they were kind of like on their last legs. Really hurt. After Game 6, Game 7 is anticlimactic. First quarter was close, but the Celtics pulled away in the second quarter. The Bucks made a run in the third, but it was not enough. Celtics made this huge adjustment and double-team Abdul-Jabbar. It's yeah. the first time in the entire series that they make this adjustment. Yep. The Bucks themselves are, are unable to make a counter-adjustment and lose. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar scores 26 points, and the Celtics essentially blow the Milwaukee Bucks out 102-87. to Yeah, it wasn't... Uh, the, it, it really wasn't a game. It was kind of almost over by halftime. And like Brian alluded to, the Bucks knew they were tired. And one of the main themes that I found in the research of this project was that the Bucks had a player missing throughout the playoffs, Lucius Allen. He tore cartilage in his knee at the end of the season, just before the postseason started, and was lost for the rest of the year. He averaged 13.4 points a game in his career, and in 73-74, 
was averaging 17 points a game, or 17.6 points a game. So yeah. he's a good contributor for sure. There, there's no doubt about that. I'm really surprised that that the Celtics didn't go to double team Kareem. I mean, I, granted, he was he was that good that he he they they figured that he could he was going to kill us one way or the other. But with with the double team and so when you get double team, the most logical place because he's a, he's a, he plays on the block. The most logical place to to throw the ball out is going to be to the perimeter. For right? our NBA, for our non sports fans, the block uh, is essentially the area near the hoop, yeah, like the lowest, yep, the closest yeah. you can be to the hoop. There's actually a painted block on the outside of the paint. That's why they call it the block. So that's where you where you set up. You can't be in the lane because if you're in the lane for more than three seconds, they call a three-second vi- exactly. violation on you. So you set up there, and then you that's where you start your, your post move uh, yep. in the block. You got and Kareem, that, that's what he does. He's, yeah. he's an expert. So at essentially, when you get the ball in the block, if you get double teamed, you the most logical place to throw the ball is to the perimeter because that's usually where the guy came Team. from yep. to double team you. Well, we had a hurt Oscar, uh, aging and hurt Oscar, John McLaughlin, he had a bad calf. Exactly. Was like he and was, no Lucius Allen. Exactly. So, McLaughlin was an important piece who was injured. And this was Oscar's last year. And in this final, he was nursing a hamstring injury and a groin injury. Yeah. And they were full court pressing him and basically just making him work hard all, all season. All season. Exactly. All series. Sorry. So you got your three top perimeter threats pretty much. Other one's not there. Subdued or gone. Yep, exactly. So for him to kick the ball out. There had to have been a viable option to kick it out to, and it just wasn't there wasn't in Game there. Seven. No, nope, so. the guy did not score. So it, it ended up being a, a stroke of genius on on the Celtics' behalf. Something I th- I would have figured they would have done sooner, but, but you know, I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty. That's why we do the podcast. And the Celtics, man, this was you know they earned it. Like this was a this was a franchise who who basically. Was kind of was not that good of a franchise, and then in 1957, they drafted Bill Russell and proceeded to win 11 out of the 13 next championships. And at one point, they went eight in a row. Going into this season, they hadn't won a championship since 68-69 when they had last defeated the Lakers. After Russell had retired, this era kind of was a new era, and, and the Celtics were out of it. You know, yeah, like from 70 to 71, there were like a bunch of new champions. This is the first time that the Celtics win one, and it's the post, it's the post Russell era. Yeah, yeah, and they ended up. They, I think they won another one like two years later or a year later. I think two years later, two years later. Yeah, Nelson Havlicek, Chaney are holdovers from the Bill Russell era. Havlicek is a team captain at this point. Silas, Cowens, Cowens, Nelson, Chaney, and Westfall all end up being coaches after they retire. These are guys on the Celtics. Chaney Chaney wins Coach of the Year in '91. Nelson is a three-time NBA coach of the year, 93-85 with the Bucks and 82. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's a lot of basketball minds and like on the, one team. The double team that you mentioned, which is amazing. Like so you have all these guys who are really really smart and they can play the game and can pull it off. There's a famous Celtic from the earlier area named Bob Cousy. He was coaching the team in Kansas City and had just been fired. So he was just milling around at the Celtic facility and he apparently goes and talks to the coach Tommy Heinsohn, and says, why don't you double him? And like... Freaking koozie. Yeah, and like, you know, like the guy was like, because he's going to kill us if we double him. And like, he thought about it and thought about it. And then he made the adjustment. It takes balls to make a big time adjustment. You got one day 
think to, about to, that. To install this adjustment. And to execute it, that's what I mean. Like, those five guys. And were I don't even know. I mean, I don't know if they were practicing on their off day, but I mean. Probably wasn't a full throttle practice, okay, especially, exactly. you're, especially you're, you're the day before Game Seven. Like you're not gonna dare try to wear your guys out. No. Nope. So. so the first five games, teams give away home court advantage. Kareem and Havlicek lead their respective teams. Game Six is an all time classic with uh, with Kareem's skyhook. The Celtics just makes a better adjustment. You know what I mean? The one thing that was weird about the series was that the first five games, the teams gave up home court advantage. Yeah. That was odd. Yeah. It, um. The other thing that I a number that I saw that was odd that stood out to me that kind of uh, goes to the point where Kareem was probably on his last legs in Game Seven. So an NBA game is forty eight minutes long. Kareem mm-hmm. Abdul Jabbar averaged forty nine point three minutes per game. It's impossible. More. <laughs> More minutes than there are in an in an actual regulation that, game. That, the, the overtimes, uh, you know, they had they had, I think they had three overtime sessions. So he obviously played all of those. It's that's amazing. That's amazing for sure. He had thirty two points a game, twelve rebounds, five point four assists, two point one blocks. Phenomenal. He was very very good. Like, like he. Yes, they just ran into a buzzsaw that were the Celtics. Like, like that team was full of Hall of Famers. Like in Milwaukee, we had Hubie Brown, who was an assistant coach. Yeah. We had Oscar, and we had Cream. In Boston, you have JoJo White, Don Nelson, who goes in as a coach, John Havlicek, Dave Collins, Tom Heishen. He goes in as a player and a coach. I mean, like that's good. Like you know, what I mean, like like. like the Bucks were missing their player. I, I do understand that, but they still ran into a super duper squad. Yeah, if you think about yeah. it, they, the Celtics were there the year before and just missed out because they ran into a Knicks team that was was hot as hell, mm-hmm. hot as heck. Yeah, well, and that, that's because Havlicek was out that year. He got hurt. That's right. Yeah. I totally forgot. He got injured yeah. the year before. So after the after the series, the finals where the Celtics won, there were so some ramifications for the Milwaukee Bucks. Yep. So in the aftermath of this loss. Oscar Robinson retires on September 3rd, 1974. So when he came to the Bucks, him and Kareem were basically almost unstoppable duo. They were they were like almost like what a super team is in today's standards. Yeah, kind of um, though, because not I mean to a degree, because all the teams were like that back then. Yeah, well, there were only 17 teams, yes, so I mean it was easier to get more talent on a team a squad. Yeah, but these were two. Two guys that were, you know, top fifty all-time players. You, I mean, it's outside of like Celtics and uh, and the Lakers in this period. You didn't really see a team up like that, you know. Yep. And, and that was mainly in the '60s with the Celtics and the Lakers. And, and well, the Lakers had West and that's what I mean. Well, the Knicks and, had and Willis Wilt. Reed. The Knicks had Willis yeah. Reed and <clears throat> but Wilt Wilt was kind of on his on his, you know. The tail end of his career when he was with the Lakers. Correct, so. and, then, and that was the thing. Knicks had Willis Reed and Walt Frazier and and, and yeah, from and roll. Yeah, so, um, so Oscar Robinson retired September third, nineteen seventy four, and this is the big one. October third, nineteen seventy four, Kareem over dinner. He tells the Milwaukee Bucks management that he no longer wants to play in Milwaukee. Yeah, he was. Uh, yeah, he told us that he that he that he was not going to be signing. At the end of his contract, he would not be would not yeah. be extended. So essentially, he had we had him under contract for two more years, and Cream, being the gentleman that he is, you know, sat down with him over dinner, t- 
told them that he it's not the team it's not it's not the 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 management it's that he he wants to be somewhere else he does not want to be in Milwaukee he doesn't anymore. doesn't want to be in Milwaukee yep there he's a gentleman about it they make an agreement that they're not going to go to the press about this this is pre social media yep. like there's no twitter there's no facebook so they, they got a gentleman's agreement that yep. cream's not going to go to the not going to talk about it the bucks management's not going to talk about it and they're going to work out a trade the bucks to their credit they did try to you know fix the situation one one thought was to let cream who was originally from harlem uh, live in New York City while the season goes on, and they would fly him in, pay for all the costs, pay for his home in New York, and f- and fly him everywhere he needed to be for for the Bucks games. That's how badly they wanted him. That's how much of a talent Kareem was. Yeah, like amazing. he would he would have been worth doing that. For. Yeah, that probably would have been worth doing. But that, but it's it's like with any like if he if his heart isn't in it here in Milwaukee, I mean there's there's not much you can do. What are you gonna do exactly? Yeah. If he's gonna be here, he's gonna so, be here. He had, he played the 74-75 season with the Bucks. Going into the preseason, uh, they still hadn't worked out a trade. There was still there was still the you know the silence between mm-hmm. they agreed upon silence. Cream gets hurt. This is like the first twenty or twenty five games. He well, well, he gets hurt in the preseason and he misses the first sixteen games. So oh, he 16, gets 20. he punches the um, stanchion. Yeah, the stanchion because. Don Nelson, of all people, poked him in the eye, and he got upset. So he punches the stanchion. Team starts out 13-3 and without Kareem. Finished the season 38-44 and out of the playoffs for the first time. 3-13? 3-13 without Kareem. Yep. 3-13. Team starts out 3-13 without Kareem. Finished the season 38-44 and out of the playoffs for the first time with, with Kareem. The team wasn't very good at this point, so what? What any kind of like leverage that they may have had on Cream kind of went out the window. Yeah, with that season. Yeah, you could say that. And by June sixteenth, nineteen seventy-five, Cream was traded to the L.A. Lakers. He was him, and it was Kareem and Walt Wesley traded to L.A. for Elmore Smith, Brian Winters, David Myers, and Junior Bridgman. So Cream has said he had said a couple things about the city of Milwaukee. When you're, you know, when when you when a mic is put in front of your face, and kind of like this podcast, where you might say something stupid, yeah. at least we can edit it. He didn't have that opportunity, and, and so who cares what we're saying? Whereas yeah. he's Kareem Abdul Jabbar. Exactly. So like, I I don't I never really hold sports athletes or anyone really who's who's especially when they're forced to say something after they've like had an emotional. Um, journey through a game you know mm-hmm. i mean if you ever played any kind of sports you know it's just as much emotional as it is uh physical yep. so he said once live in milwaukee no i guess you could say i exist in milwaukee this town has nothing to do with my roots there is no common ground he has expressed regrets for those comments and he also said that after the fact that he wanted to leave because he saw the team wasn't very good which that 74 75 season did kind of show kind that. of show yeah. so a little bit about the the milwaukee area in 1974 the milwaukee county proper had about population just north of 1 million it was more of an industrial town known more for its beer and cheese than its cultural awareness it was a working class town built by european immigrants and by 1975 the population it was majority white yep um and there was a very small Muslim population, which 
which is important, which was important to Kareem because yep. he he was he became one of the more notable Muslims in the in in the United States, uh, mainly when he changed his name after, as we mentioned in the Simpsons episode, uh, when I used to uh, <laughs> tear apart one of one of our Simpsons theories. In 19, after the 1972 season, he switched his name from Lou Alcindor to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I could never find it in the research, but I once heard attributed to him that he said that Milwaukee just did not meet his cultural needs. And like, and when you talk about such a small minority of Muslims, that's an example. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I don't know if he like, ever said that in particular, but I think you could kind of read that from what mm-hmm. he was saying. Yeah, like, exactly. It might not be true. I, I, yeah. it might, I might be paraphrasing. And it might, if it's wrong, completely wrong, please don't sue me. Yeah. So I don't want to I don't want to speculate on on like like where his mind was right like he clearly he just didn't want to be here, mm-hmm. um, but it's pretty obvious that Milwaukee wasn't a big enough stage for Kareem. In L.A., he became a cultural icon, the likes that the NBA probably has never seen or or the sporting world. He was both in he was both an icon on the court. He was in movies. He became a, a pretty prolific writer, and in his life and after the NBA, he became a force for positive change. And I, I don't. I mean, I I know it would have been nice to have him in Milwaukee, but I don't know if he would have got the attention that he rightly deserved for his skills on and off the court. If he didn't move, yeah. If he didn't move to one of the coastal cities, that makes sense. Uh, I I could totally see that. Like he was, he was, he transcended. He was always more than a basketball player. Yes, I'm not suggesting that that couldn't have happened here in Milwaukee, but it definitely happened in L.A. And he he was from New York. He he educated himself in Los Angeles, and he came to Milwaukee. I mean, I love Milwaukee. Don't get me wrong, but like. I seen I, I've seen players out of their own volition leave our city, and I've also seen our city not treat players who were great not so greatly, and I've also seen our franchises essentially piss away good opportunities. So yeah. like Kareem leaving after the Brewers had sorry after the Milwaukee Braves had left, kind of. Gave us this sensation of being a small town team or not a real pro franchise team. If that makes kind of any sense, yeah. And unfortunately, you know, when Cream left, that kind of stuck with us, and it's a little unfair. But like, it didn't really affect the franchise of the Bucks as much as you would think. Like losing someone yeah. so important, we got back four players. Of those four players, Brian Winters and Junior Bridgman still have their names or still have their jerseys in the Raptors yeah. alongside Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's. Definitely, yeah. Like, they, basically, that trade is like a... was the connection to the next era exactly. of Bucks, And, like, you... Like, the Bucks really didn't go bad for almost 20 years. You know what I mean? Like, you would think if you lose someone like Kareem, they would have fall off right away. But they keep making playoffs from, like... I think you said until 1991. Like, they, they were so, consistently in the playoffs. So, Kareem leaves in 1975. They have a couple down seasons as they're basically just, you know, they they, they essentially have, a whole, like, almost a whole new team, right? Yeah. Because they lose their two main cogs, Kareem and, and uh, Oscar, uh, in back-to-back seasons. So, from 75, I think, through about, like, 78, they don't make the playoffs, 
I think they made the playoffs one year with maybe, the losing uh, record. They made, a playoff, okay. they made a playoff. They may have made it once in the interim, but... With so, a losing record. Yeah, from the 79-78 season to the 90-91 season, perennial playoff team. Yep. Borderline dominant in the, in the Eastern Conference. And if it, if it weren't for Larry Dr. Bird. J, who <laughs> should have been a buck, and Larry Bird... You know, I mean, there's a chance like that two, we're well, talking the way, about the Bucks as as one of the dominant teams of the '80s. For our non-sports fans, Bird and Dr. J are Hall of Famers, all-time great players. Yeah, like, we just couldn't. Yeah. we couldn't get over the hump against them. Exactly. So, like, you know, when I think when I when I ask myself over and over if the Bucks should have won this championship, if, if you know if the Celtics deserve to lose, because like. I'm a homer, and I, I always try to make it as hard as possible for my home teams in this situation. For me, it felt like, as I was studying this, it feels like it's a closing of a window for the Milwaukee Bucks, where it feels like it's a breaking open of a closed window by the Celtics. Yeah. Like, at this whole, at this time, like, there are a handful of the holdovers from Russell's era with blended with a new blood. And, like, to hammer home the point... Wilt Chamberlain retired at the start of the 73-74 season. The old guard was completely fading out as not only Chamberlain left, but New York principals Willis Reed, Dave DeBouchier, and Jerry Lucas were all in their last season. I think they call him Dave DeBoucher. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Jerry West in L.A. But, but way to French it yeah, up. I think I didn't know how to say it. Jerry West in L.A. was also in his last year, and Oscar Robinson was in his last year. Yeah. Like, this whole era of sports was kind of a changing regard, if you think about it. It was like the established teams were done, and there were many many dynasties all around sports, like, taking over. Retiring legends were all across the board in all of the leagues. Not only in the NBA, it was the end of the Celtics eras. So the Knicks, the Bucks, the Celtics, the Lakers, and the Warriors were able to win championships just after that super dominant run by the Celtics. In the NFL, the Packers era had just ended. You have the Chiefs, the Colts, the Dolphins, the Cowboys, the Steelers all win championships and participate in multiple last game scenarios. In the ba- in baseball, it was basically the end of Mickey Mantle and the Yankees. The Baltimore, or- the Orioles, the Athletics, the Reds all win championships. And the A's actually win three in a row. The Reds win the first of two back-to-back in 73-74. So you have these, like, it's like... A feeding frenzy for these teams that were waiting yeah. for the old teams to get all the way, and they got theirs. You know, yeah. like it, it happens even in world soccer, where like Brazil had won from fifty-eight to seventy-three championships. So also in the Bill Russell era, if you will. Yeah. As soon as they lose, you have Holland appear in two finals against West Germany and ha- and Argentina, and then Argentina and West Germany appear in the next three finals, both winning the championship. So like it's really interesting how like this era changed. Like it, it was like like I say. The old guard, Packers, Celtics, Yankees, and boom, get out the way. But I give the Celtics credit because, like, with how that went down, they still were able to grab a couple more championships, you know? like, yeah. And I keep researching and thinking about it, like, is Lucius Allen that good that, like, he would have turned him around? Like, that's, man, that's how the so, team, they just lost even before to, to the Knicks, like, they had the best record they yeah. just lost. Yeah, to bring it know? back to another episode with a... Milwaukee team, the Brewer, the '82 Brewers. You know they went into the playoffs without Raleigh Fingers. Is Lucius Allen Raleigh Finger esque? 
So with with it's Raleigh Fingers, we were able to pinpoint like a game or two. I, I think it was one game in particular. I can't remember the exact game, but we were able to pinpoint a game where if Raleigh Fingers is there, they, they win, win that game for sure. Exactly. And there might I, I think there might have been games. two games, yeah, exactly. which totally changes the series. And then you're looking at the Brewers in six. Exactly. Was Lucius Allen alone enough to where they he would have overcame? Like all of these games were decided. Like except, except for the double, except for the double overtime game that we won, all of them were, were at least eight at least points, eight points. Right? Yeah, in fact, and one was eight points, and the rest were double digits. I yeah, think. Like it, was, it was. So the the two largest ones were fifteen point victories, and those were both by the Celtics. They whooped our. They so whooped they would. Yeah. So they is, was Lucius Allen enough to overcome a, a, an eight point victory by the Celtics at 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 the very least at the worst two fifteen point victories by the Celtics like. I, I, I don't know if he was – I mean, I don't know enough about him as a player. I just know that they didn't have him on and, his team. And he was – I believe he was the third leading scorer. Yeah, he was He was lost on March 15th. He was the team's third leading scorer at 17.6 points per game. So, I mean, he was he was a vital part. Vital no part. And, and Some of his slack was picked up so that 17 – it wasn't just 17 points just – removed from the table mm-hmm. so some of that slack was picked up I, I don't know if it would have been enough to it would have been interesting overcome. to see the Bucks at full strength like with McLaughlin healthy yeah. with Robertson healthy and with Lucius Allen totally healthy it might be the case but you're talking about the end of an NBA season and have everybody healthy I don't know if the just Celtics are all healthy you know what I mean I yeah. think that it goes back to what I was talking about a little bit earlier like the teams that have the most Hall of Famers win, and, and as much as I love the Bucks, and even though I think that they had the better Hall of Famers in this series, man, the Celtics just had a ton of Hall of Famers, dude. Like yeah. this isn't like the Russell Cousy, they're all Hall of Famers because they just won so many championships. These were, you know, a little bit different type of champions. Like Dave Collins is a Hall of Famer, man. That guy was really, really good. Like, like they, this was a strong, strong team. And I keep, I'm just not. Sh- I, I want to give it to the Bucks, but I'm not sure. I keep thinking about it, even as we're talking about it. I'm not positive, so, you know what I mean? I'm still debating it. Whenever we talk about these things, I always say I'm always of two minds. Like, So with this, there's the selfish part of me that wants to give it to him because they were missing one of their players, right? Yep. A really good player, and he should have been enough to take them over the top. But at the same time, the Celt- like you said, the Celtics were really, really good. And I think it goes further than whether or not like, like the win. Like This win, I think, kind of frames the city as to its psyche in relation to pro sports. Yeah. I think with this loss and Kareem leaving, I don't want to say it was... So the city of Milwaukee, I mean, we're always in the, in someone's shadow, right? Like we've been in the shadow. We're always considered to be in the shadow of Chicago. This is hate all Chicago teams. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So we're always kind of we're always kind of looked down, always kind of seen as the underdog. I think this just kind of reinforced that that thought process, that 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 um, perception of the city, you know. And we talked about in the, with the '82 Brewers how they lost the World Series, but they had like the biggest parade that you ever saw in your life, like just hundreds, yeah. tens of thousands of people. You know, on on Wisconsin Avenue for for a team that just that missed out, just, yep. just missed out. So, when deciding whether or not to give this to the Bucks, I also got to look at 
you know, how it would have changed the city if I do that. And I I really want to give it to the Bucks just because I think this would have, along with the Brewers winning in 82, just as much, I think it would have changed the perception of the city from the outside and how we perceive our sports in this city. And we know the cream left, but we know that winning is, is the best remedy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Winning wins. Winning helps out, and once you win, like... If he wins, maybe he wants to stay here. Like that, that's exactly. that's a possibility. Yeah. Like, there's no doubt, yeah. you know. But we don't know. We we don't know his mind, like you say. But it's something that you consider. If you win, if you win your second ring, you have a good start to your legacy. You know, maybe you, maybe you make Milwaukee bigger on it's your own the shoulders. Same, it's the same thought process that we when we talk about uh, when LeBron left Miami after they lost to the Spurs. Like, does he leave? Does he opt out of his fifth year? If they beat the Spurs in that finals, yeah, it, and does he go back to Cleveland? It's like that would be hard to do. Like, I mean, granted, Cream had another year after this, after the '74 finals. Mm-hmm. He had two years, so even if they would have won that and he stayed, and they bombed out because they may have, because yep. I'm pretty sure Oscar would have retired regardless. Yeah, he was so, done for sure. Yeah. So I guess when it, when it comes down to it, after looking at you know the scores and going through the stats and 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 debating in my head whether or not Lucius Allen was enough to bring them back I think there are a lot of other things going on with the team that they I don't think they can get over this hump even with Lucius Allen I think the Celtics were just they were I think they were they were a smarter team they might have they were probably a younger team because we had a a lot lot of older guys on our team and they may have been a hungrier team I mean, it's hard to. I mean, you can't really quantify that, but you. But you're, you might be right, man. You had you had, like I said, a previous era champions plus guys that wanted to get rings. So you had people showing them how to get rings. Like, yeah. Granted, we had the, the best player, but if you're if you say they got injured, and they, I think they were tired at the end. Like, I really wish they were healthy, and you could. It might have been different, but like you're asking for an awful lot. To like, me, the biggest stat of the whole f- finals is. Cream at forty nine point three minutes a game. Yeah. That's that's just too unheard much. of. Yeah, that, that's insane. The usage rate is way too much. So, yeah, looking back, I can't give them the alternative history. Uh, it stays that they lose the the city. I think at the time is kind of crestfallen a little bit that he leaves, but I, I think it's an eye opener for the city that you know we have to appreciate what we got while we have it. Exactly. I think that, like, it's weird, too, because when in this research, when I spoke to some of the older people that I know, it was like, the, the this was even when the Brewers weren't very good at the beginning of them, this was a, at the beginning of their franchise, this was still a baseball town because we were yeah. missing the Milwaukee Braves, who were a very good franchise. Like, I don't know that, this is going to sound like I'm hating on my city or maybe this is too generalistic, but I'm not sure that our sports fan base knew what they had with Kareem. Like, like, like and I'm not sure that, like, I'm not saying that we didn't that he wasn't beloved here, but talking to people now, it doesn't seem like he was beloved here. Whereas like Henry Aaron was beloved here, you know, like, and I wonder if if he had been beloved here, would he have wanted to stay, and if that would have helped the franchise and the city. Here's I don't think he was as beloved here as he should have been because like, and I think we I'm, we may have mentioned this in the '82. I keep bringing up the '82, but it's mm-hmm. I think it compares it's pretty, yeah. well to this episode. We talk about the 82 Brewers losing in in the World Series. 
in this city way more than anyone talks about the 72 bucks winning a championship. 70, 71 bucks winning a championship. Oh, 70, 71 bucks winning the championship. Like that, like you, you see, I see more honors for the 82 Brewers than I do for, for that Bucks team, and which is, in, which is crazy because that Bucks team actually won the championship. So when, when you say like, are we a baseball town or a basketball town? I think we lean more towards baseball, honestly. But we had a really good thing in the '70s, and I think we 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 kind of took it for granted, and it it you know it like sand through your fingers, it just kind of fluttered away. And as a franchise in the city, we've not really been able to get it back. Like you said, I think the last time we went to an Eastern Conference Final was 2000, 2001. Yeah, we missed out in Game Seven. And if you listen to any sports talk radio in the city, I mean, there is like I think the there's a lot of psychological damage that was done to. Like fans that can remember Kareem leaving because everyone's afraid that Giannis is gonna. Again, for know. our non-sports fans, we right now have a rare talent in the Milwaukee Bucks and Giannis Antetokounmpo. And uh, what he said, we're worried. Not we're not. I'm not worried about it. I think a lot of fans are worried he's gonna leave. Yeah. I think he's gonna stay because the money is too great here in Milwaukee yeah. now in today's NBA. I think that's another thing. I think back then, if if you had these max contract numbers, I bet you you could have locked Kareem in and he wouldn't have left because. With yeah, they all weren't. That money, you they weren't. They weren't making the stupid money like they are no. right now. And I think um, that's why Giannis so, stick around. I think. I'm so, on that. like, quality of living was probably a big thing for Kareem because the money was probably going to be the same everywhere, and it wasn't insane money. Mm-mm. And and he could probably he probably realized that he could make more off of being Kareem on one of the you know in a bigger market. Yep. Which Absolutely. you know more power to him. He he was Kareem. He made himself who he was. The Bucks didn't make him. Agreed. So, so I think I, I agree with you completely. I, I just don't think the Bucks were good enough to beat the Celtics, and I too cannot give them the the championship for seventy three seventy four. There you have it. We got the Milwaukee Bucks losing the nineteen seventy four championship, NBA championship to the Boston Celtics, just as it happened. Nothing changes. Nothing changes. So we are the Alternative History Podcast. That was our Milwaukee Bucks episode. If you want to let us know what you think, do you think the Bucks should have won? Are we full of manure? Manure is a that's a very very good choice of words, Rodrigo. Right? You, you. Uh, you can hit us up at Alternative History Podcast at gmail.com or you can find us on Twitter at, at Alt History PC or on the Facebook. Uh, as long as the Russians don't mine your data, if you put anything on there, we're at Alternative History on Facebook. If you find us on iTunes, please subscribe. Uh, please comment. Uh, please, if you find if you find us on Google Play, please like. Please rate. Uh, it really means a lot to us. And we're also we're on uh, Potable. So if if that's your listening device, uh, you can also find us there. Thanks again for listening. Have a good day. Bye.